going to give you the glory, the honor, and the praise for it right now. It's in the mighty name of Jesus that we pray. Can we just lift our voice and bless his name? Come on, come on. Can we? Hallelujah. 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 Oh, we just we just thank God today. You may be seated. You may be seated in the house of God. What a wonderful wonderful day to be here and to to be in the house of God with with God's people. Amen. On such a phenomenal day. It is Mother's Day. Amen. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. We thank God for you. Happy Mother's Day to you, to you, and to you. Amen. And, and we just, we're glad today because the Bible says something so key. Um, we, we understand that we, we are not confined to the traditions of men, but yet and still, the Bible says the first commandment with the promise is to honor that father and mother. The first commandment with a promise attached to it. That if you honor father and mo mother, you just won't have long life, you'll have long good life. Good, long, prosperous, successful life is tapped into by honor. Amen. And so Mother's Day is an awesome opportunity for us to not only as husbands honor our wives, Amen. Because the only reason why we're a father is because there's a mother. It allows us to live in and operate in who we are. But it's also an opportunity for us to teach our children uh, the act of honor. That honor isn't just something you say. You don't just say you appreciate, but there's actions that back up honor and that release the goodness of God in our lives. And so we just thank God today. For, for, for mothers and Mother's Day, and you need it. We need to teach our kids that. And I'll be honest with you, we need it bad. Because if I take my children, if I take my boys to get a Mother's Day gift, guess who coming out the store with a gift every time? They're going to try to come out with something every time. Amen. Um, and, and so forth and so on. Because being taught honor is something you have to be trained and taught on. That There's times that I give without getting anything, amen, that is actually better for me to give um, than it is to receive. It's actually better, and so, so it's an awesome, awesome, awesome time, and so we just thank God today for, for Mother's, and um, we thank God for Mother's Day, and I believe I have a word um, for Mother's. You all know that I'm not really a, um, I'm not an event preacher. I am not a day preacher or I'm not a traditional preacher from the standpoint that I don't teach themes or what have you. I just kind of teach where God is, and if it jives with what, what's going on, then so be it. And if it doesn't, we just do what thus saith the Lord. Amen. And so, you know, I, I have some things today that I want to share with you all that I believe are so very imperative, and it ties, it has everything to do with mothers. 
amen, and obviously, uh, and everything to do with us as sons and daughters of the Most High God, and it's amazing how God just kind of turns that around. I want to jump into back and continue where we left off. I have some, some, some game-changing things to share with you today. I believe we're about to change the game. I believe there's some things that I'm going to share with you today that's, that's literally going to shift our life and shift the lives of our children for generations to come as, as we hear what, what, what the Lord is saying today. The Lord is not, no longer confined, and he never has, but the church is starting to figure out that the Lord is not trying to speak simply to people in a lifetime. He's speaking to eras and generations. We are, we are called to preach down the corridors of times into next generations and next eras. And so we're speaking words of eras and, and uh, um, words to generations that we won't meet. But yet and still they'll be impacted by what's said today. And what is established by what's said. Amen. Because the kingdom is always generational. We cannot be kingdom without being generationally minded. We cannot be kingdom without being generationally minded. Amen. Um, Ephesians chapter 2. I'm going to go back here. And we're going to walk this thing out just a little bit. You know, I thank God for the men standing in proxy. It looked great. We thank God for our men holding it down and representing and standing in for us. Strong. Strong, cool ushers. They ain't your normal ushers. They cool with it. So we, we thank God for that. <laughs> Ephesians chapter, chapter number two. Thank you, Lord. Ephesians chapter number two, we're going to start at verse number 12. If you remember, we left off there and we kind of ventured into Babylon a little bit, which connected. And we're coming back and we're going to venture back out eventually, but all of it connects. Um, Ephesians chapter two, verse number 12, it says that at that time you were without Christ. Is that what your Bible says? You were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Speaking to us before the word of faith and salvation. But now, verse 13, in Christ Jesus, you who were sometimes were afar off are made nigh or made near by the blood of Christ. Did y'all see that? Let's read that one together because that's a big one. And it's important that we understand that. And we see that because I'm going to jump into some stuff about the blood and about the function of the blood so we can kind of revise our view and get what we're supposed to get from the blood. Amen. But that verse is going to be key in me teaching that. Amen. And it may encroach on some traditional um, ideologies. Verse 13, let's read that together. Let's read that again. It says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ or made near by the blood of Christ. Verse 14, for he is our peace. Everybody say peace. 
who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. Verse 15, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinance for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace. Everybody say peace. And that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. Verse 17, and came and preached peace. Everybody say peace. To you which were afar off and to them that were near. Ooh. It's heavy if you catch it. We'll get to it. Father, we just thank you. And we just bless you right now. We thank you for the fellowship of the mystery. We thank you, Lord God, for mysteries being revealed that cultivate a fellowship. That cultivates a fellowship that can release kingdom in the earth as it is in heaven. We bless you and give you glory, honor, and praise right now for a stewardship mandate on this word. That you give us keys to a mystery that can unlock in earth as is in heaven. We say yes to the stewardship of this mystery. Even now, God, in the mighty name of Jesus. God's people said amen. Amen. Bless the Lord. You may be seated in the house of God. I want to share with you something really, really fast because I'm going to deal with the blood and I'm going to deal with some perspectives that I feel like need to be shifted about the blood of Jesus and about what the how the blood of Jesus functions in our lives so we can properly benefit from the blood of Jesus. It is not the blood of goats and bullocks. What that means simply means is you don't have to reuse Jesus's blood over and over. Right. You don't have to. The blood of goats and bullets had to be spilt one after the other, one after the other, day after day after day after day, because the one's blood that was spilt did not sanctify the individual from the conscience of sin. In other words, the individual was still a sinner through the shedding of the blood. God would just not treat them like the sinner they were. Amen. So they had to keep on. But his blood doesn't function. In that way. Amen. Ultimately, blood in itself, based on Old Testament function, wasn't intended to wash away sin. It was intended to show mercy to individuals while they were in sin. I'm going to say that again. According to Old Testament principle, blood was never intended to wash away sin. Blood was intended for, to be shed so God could show mercy to people while they were still in sin. Amen? All right. Let me go a step further. I just need to say that before I show you this. Because we don't really understand the purpose of the blood. What the blood does. But we're going to see Ephesians 2 verse 13. I'm going to show you this. Ephesians 2 verse number 13. I'm going to read it in the New King James Version, but it's just pretty much like the King James Version. It says, but now in Christ, everybody say in Christ, Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. The blood of Jesus brings us near, right, to God. It does not make us one with God. 
The blood of Jesus only gets us close to God. The blood of Jesus does not bring us into relationship with God. I'm going to say that again. The blood of Jesus makes us near to God. The blood of Jesus does not make us one with God. So we're not made one by the blood of Jesus. We're made near by the blood of Jesus. Am I lying? Am I lying? So the blood has a positioning purpose in our lives, not a fulfillment purpose in our lives. We got to start right there. The blood puts us in a position. It is not fulfillment. Amen. We cannot claim fulfillment of what Jesus died to give us by the blood alone because the blood doesn't give us fulfillment, but more so gives us access to a position called encounter. Well, glory be to God. It gives us when I'm near, I can encounter God. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near position for encounter with God by the blood of Christ. So the blood places us in a position where we can have encounters with God while yet in an unsaved, carnal, and sinful condition. It doesn't make us one with God. It places us near to God where we can begin to encounter God and we're not saved yet. Everybody follow what I'm saying? So the blood places us near to the God that our sin separated us from while we're yet sinners. Come on, that's the good news of Romans 5 and 8. While we were yet sinners, Christ died. Come on, Christ died died for us. Without the blood, we would live the entirety of our life here on earth, unable to encounter God. Encounters with God are so important that Jesus shed his blood to make sure we could have encounters with God while yet sinners. Why is that? Because of the blood, we don't have to get saved to encounter God. We encounter God to get saved. I'm trying to help y'all understand how this thing really works. We do not have to get saved to encounter God. You know, I was in church and God finally touched me. If the truth be told, he started touching you while you were drinking. If the truth be told, he started rebuking you while you were still running the streets and sleeping around. He did not wait till you get in here because of the blood. The blood brought him near and allowed him to begin to touch you while you were still smoking, while you were still drinking, while you were still in the club while you were you were there saying I need to change I need to go to church because of the blood God came near. I heard God tell me I need to go to church after you were high because of the blood my God after you slept with him I heard God say I gotta cut this out and I gotta purify myself because of the blood We can draw near to God in a separate condition because of the blood of Jesus. Come on, somebody better thank God for the blood because you would have never came to church if it wasn't for the blood. You would have never known you needed to change if it wasn't for the blood. 
This is so key for us to understand that, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought what? By the blood of Christ. So the Father intends that we encounter him before we're saved by him, or put another way, we are to be saved by him because we've encountered him. Why? 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 So our salvation won't just be by theory, but by way of experience. We're not just saved because we were raised in church, as some people think they are. We're not just saved because we repeated a prayer once upon a time, as some people think they are. We don't want, we're not just saved because we don't want to go to hell, as some people think they can be saved just because they don't want to go to hell. You should, you should now want to go to heaven more than you don't want to go to hell. I actually want to go I actually want to experience heaven more than I actually am fearful of because love is greater than fear and love casts out all fear amen we're saved because we've encountered the living God and therefore we know he is encounter is supposed to precede conversion. Can I talk some fundamental stuff real fast? Encounter is supposed to precede conversion although encounter is not conversion. I'm going to say that again. You've heard God. That don't mean you're converted. God told you to do this and you did it. That don't mean you're converted. I had a dream and a vision and God spoke to me in the dream. That don't mean you're converted. God is just trying to prove to you he's God. Encounter is supposed to precede conversion, but encounter is not conversion. Encounter is meant to be a factor in conversion, but encounter is not conversion. Now, this is what I need you to understand. Many people will be saved because they've encountered God. And on the flip side, many people will not be saved because they've encountered God. I'm going to say that again. Many people will be saved because they've encountered God. But on the flip side, for the same reason, many people won't be saved because they have encountered God. Those who will be saved understand encounter is the gateway to atonement. At one minute, meant to be one with God. Atonement, at one minute, meant to be one with God. Encounter is those who will be saved by encounter understand it was not a calling to come near. It is a calling to become one and all the blood did was bring me near but it didn't make me one yet but if I treat encounter like conversion I'll die like a thief right beside the Lord that could have saved me amen so now what we got to understand encounter is a position called near it is not the identity called oneness Encounter is a position, not an identity. Encounter is a position called near God, but it is not an identity called one with God. Christ didn't come to give us a position. He came to give us an identity called the sons of God. We are not called to be near. We're called to be sons. Did y'all hear what I just said up in here? And so now, because we have lacked 
proper view of encounter as a position and not an identity. Everybody thinks they can only fulfill their calling by functioning in a position. Everybody is now position driven. People are stuck, confined to viewing purpose out of a positional paradigm. People think there is more esteem to be an elder. There's more esteem if I'm a deacon. There's more esteem if I'm a bishop than being a son of God. Everyone is waiting for their promotion to a position and no one is yearning to manifest the measure of sonship in the earth that the earth is waiting on the manifestation of. The earth is not waiting on the manifestation of bishops. They're waiting on the manifestation of sons. The earth is not waiting on the manifestation of prophets. The earth is waiting on the manifestation of sons. The earth is not waiting on the manifestation of elders. I finally got eldership. And the earth is saying, move. Who wants to be a son? Stop wanting to be an elder. Manifest sonship. Stop wanting to be a preacher. Manifest sonship. You're too positionally because you, th- you, all you got is a position called encounter, so all you can function is is focusing on a position. You're stuck in a position paradigm. So purpose to you can only be confined to a position. You're not called to a position. You're called to be a son. Beloved, now we are the sons of God, and it does not yet appear what we should be. You shouldn't be an elder unless you're a son. You shouldn't be a prophet unless you're a son. Why you want to be a prophet before you're a son? Because God visits me in dreams. He visits everybody in dreams that's near. Sons don't just prophesy. Sons bring heaven on earth like it is in heaven. Thy kingdom come. Okay. But as long as we equate encounter with God to conversion by God, we'll focus on obtaining positions because encounter is nothing more than a position given to us by the blood of Jesus called near. You just got a position. Amen. I'm going to say this again because we got to understand this. Encounter is not conversion. Many people will be saved because they've encountered God and many people will not be saved because they've encountered God and equated their encounter to their conversion. They are people who have encountered God and see their encounters as evidence of conversion and as a result they are never converted. They had a powerful dream and vision that when they followed through God brought it to pass. When they sing and lift their hands the glory just do all over the I, every time I, you can't tell me God ain't real because every time I lift my hands uh, God's spirit falls all over me uh, uh, that is encounter uh, y'all ain't hear what I'm saying uh, they had an encounter with God uh, and was freed from an affliction and a bondage uh, you don't know because I was sick and I was almost dead and God raised me up from the sick bed uh, that is not a statement uh, of atonement that is a statement of encounter uh, 
uh, we prayed and needed God right away. And he came and made a way out of no way in a way where you knew it had to be God. That is not a statement of oneness. That is a statement of nearness. None of those statements prove that you've been converted. All they prove is that you've drawn near. The blood did that. For us all. Amen. There, those are not. What is what is the proof of your conversion? If it don't look nothing like Acts, if it don't look like man, I was in the living room one night and something fell on me and put its tongue on my tongue and I begin to speak in tongues, see angels, have glory fall. Jesus freed me and told me I'd never be who I was. Then that. The reason why we don't pursue that because we set up for encounter and said it was that. Encounter is not conversion. You know when you're around the sun because they'll get on your nerves. You don't understand. No, I understand. You keep on speaking out of unbelief. No, but you need to understand why I was raised this way. No, 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 no. You're giving more credit than the devil that he believes. Your daddy ain't your daddy. You got a heavenly father. Stop giving your earthly daddy more authority over your destiny than your heavenly father. And see, you can't get along with the son because the son will make no provision for your flesh. I don't care what you say. All your excuses are feeble because when he said it is finished, there's no reason why you ain't walking in victory. Period. You get around the sun, you ain't going to like them. If all you are are close. Get around, hang around the sun. Every time I say something, they get on me. Hang around the sun. It's just sharp, like, pam. That ain't right. Pam. That ain't, I can't even help it, it's just... When you're a son, you're a son. Amen? And so, so now, watch this. Conversion isn't stop sinning. Conversion is oneness with God. Conversion isn't stop sinning. When you're converted, you don't sin no more. But you can stop, you can stop certain sins without being converted. But if you're converted, you'll stop all sins. Because God never sinned. Once I become one with God, I ain't going to sin. To the degree I enter into the reality of my rooted oneness with him. I'll prove it to you. Some people aren't going to be converted because of their encounter. And Jesus put it in the Bible. Go to Luke chapter 13. Y'all mind if I take my time? By the way, happy Mother's Day. I hope this fits. Sorry. Luke chapter 13, verse number 23. The reason why we're not pressing into conversion is because we have called encounter conversion. We are called near one. Near ain't one. Luke chapter 13. Now, you can't become one without encounter, but you just can't stop at encounter. We can I continue to press for encounters so I can continue to enter into deeper dimensions of one. 
Every encounter brings me is intended to bring me into a greater dimension of one. I don't just say we had a good time in church. I came into a greater glory in him. See, when you don't understand the function of encounter, you'll leave at the same distance you were with God when you came in. But everything he's doing is draw, come close. Stop. Then he come close. Stop. Come close. Stop. Come close. Stop. Come close. Stop. Come close. Come close. Come close. See, what happens is you begin to get uncomfortable. Hold on a minute. If I get too close, I start losing. God is going to say, come, 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 until there's no space, until there's no distance, until there's no privacy, until there's no part of your life that's not covered by him. That's when you're converted. Look at your neighbor. Tell your neighbor, keep coming. Yeah, you didn't you start getting uncomfortable when you got that close? My God, you can smell my breath that close. You can see my pimples that close. You can tell if I brush my teeth or not that close. You're near, but you ain't one. Keep coming. Keep coming. Come. Come on. Come unto me, all who are burdened and heavy laden. Come. You felt me keep coming. Come on. I, you, I, I delivered you from drugs. Keep coming. Come on. Come on. Come on. You're walking in joy. Keep coming. Come on. Come on. Come on. I... Luke chapter 13, verse 23. Look at this. This is the Lord dealing with individuals who have treated their encounter as their conversion. Luke chapter 13, verse 23, he says, Then said one unto him, Lord, are there few that be what? And he said unto them, verse 24, Strive to enter in at the straight gate, excuse me, for many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in and shall not be able. When once the master of the house is risen up and has shut the door, and you begin to stand without and to knock at the door, saying, Who is the door? Jesus, you be in the name of, no, you're not just knocking on the physical door. You're saying in the name of Jesus. What I'm telling you is there's a day his name is going to be closed. He's the door to the sheep. They're not talking about knocking on the physical door. They're talking about the door named Jesus. When once the master of the house has risen up and has shut the what? Door. Jesus is a, Jesus is a savior, but to the father, he's only a door. So the father can shut him. And you begin to stand without and to knock at the door saying, Lord, Lord, open unto us. And he shall answer and say unto you, I know you not whence you are. And their thing, now they're shocked. Right now, you, what you mean you don't know me? You know, what, you, what, what you mean me and you don't have a relationship? Well, and you know why? The next verse tells you why they think that. He says, it says in it, then shall you begin to say, we have eaten and drunk in your presence. My, my, my. We have encountered you. Right. We have actually drank from your, the rivers of your word. We've ate from the, 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 the substance of your body. We have encountered and been in your presence. And thou hast even taught us in our streets. Streets are places, are, are times when you're moving from one place to a 
He didn't, he ain't just talking about sitting down and teaching. He's talking about times I needed to make a decision. And I needed to move from one place to another. You gave me a word to navigate my streets. You ordered my steps. You told me which way to go to be blessed. You showed me. You ordered. And now you're turning around and telling me that you don't know me? Yes. You were near, but you were never one. We and you were near each other, but we were never one. You mistaked encounter for conversion. Away from me, I never knew you I didn't say no about you see no in the Greek means one it speaks of intimacy it is a Greek idiom for intimacy between a husband and a wife me and you have never been in intimacy me and you never became one you settle for near if y'all don't get nothing else for what I'm saying encountering conversion man I have dreams and visions all the time that don't mean you converted That does mean you're near, and that's a good thing. I ain't knocking that. That's a good thing. Thank God that you're near. Don't be, dance over that, man. Shout over that. Bless the Lord over that, but just don't stop there. Ephesians 2 verse 13 says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. The blood has a positioning purpose. Everybody say positioning purpose. Not a fulfillment purpose. It positions us in a place of encounter called near. Ephesians 2 verse 14. I'm going to go a little bit further because I'm going to teach and we're going to get into mothers and fathers in a minute. And I believe it all intertwine. Ephesians 2 verse 14. This is a very, very powerful scripture that is a dimensional, it, it gives us access to a dimension of life to function in in the earth that we could not function in had the Lord not showed this to us. I'm telling you, this is an empowering and this is an enabling grace that's being released by this word. This ain't a grace for you to go home and do what you've been doing. This is a grace to do life like you've never done life in your life. Right. Ephesians 2 verse 14, for he is our, everybody say peace. For he is our peace who hath made both one, that ought to mess you up right there, and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. Peace is not nearness, peace is oneness. For he is our peace who hath made what? Why is he peace? Because he made both. Oneness is peace. Oneness is not the absence of turbulence. Oneness is not the absence of, or excuse me, peace is not the absence of turbulence. Peace is not the, 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 the absence of agitation and conflict. Peace is oneness, right? Amen? Peace is oneness that we inherit in him, right? So we only have peace to the measure we're one with him because peace is oneness. The question is, oneness of what? Come on, y'all should be tracking. Put up Ephesians 1 verse 10. I'm going to teach for a minute and speed up. Peace is oneness, oneness of what? Now we're going kingdom. Peace is oneness and oneness is what? Ephesians 1 and 10. That in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in, everybody say one. One, all things where? In Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in, in him heaven and earth are. 
thy will be done on as it is in that's peace. The moment heaven, the earth starts looking like heaven, where God finds a people, glory be to God, that's releasing healing in earth as it is in heaven, that's releasing health in earth as it is in heaven, that is living holy in earth as it is in heaven, you are witnessing peace. That's what peace looks like. Peace is oneness between heaven and earth. How much earth how much our city, Darlington, looks like heaven dictates how much peace Darlington can enjoy. I'm trying to go kingdom-minded because we got to start thinking regionally. How much Darlington in earth looks like heaven is how much Darlington has a right to have a city of peace. Because peace is, is oneness. Peace is oneness between heaven and earth. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. How does heaven come on earth and become one and bring peace? Through the atonement of the bride of Christ, the church, and the head of the church, Christ himself. To the measure we recognize, we're not supposed to be saying, Jesus, come save me, but we're supposed to be releasing Jesus because we're one with Jesus to that measure. Let me help you something. If Jesus saved you, he don't want to save you no more. He did a good job the first time. Now as the Father sent me, I send you. Just like the Father sent me to save you, now I Amen. So to the measure we embrace atonement, oneness, oneness is atonement at one minute, with Christ, we can demonstrate the oneness of heaven and earth by releasing the will of the Father in earth as it is in heaven. So, so in other words, to the measure we live in the faith of the reality, as it is in heaven, so it is in earth, we experience peace. Peace is oneness. To the, to the measure, now watch this, to the measure we deny our oneness with Christ, and deny the reality that heaven is one with earth, we lack peace. To the measure we agree with the lie that earth is not one with heaven, that being in earth places us in conditions, places us in mindsets, places us in weaknesses, places us in bondages while we're in the earth that are not in heaven. It's illegal for us to have peace because peace is oneness of heaven and earth. For he is our peace who hath made both one. Peace is oneness between heaven and earth. Amen? So, so now what we've got to understand is the opposite of peace Distress, worry, frustration, upset, agitation, fighting with depression, feeling like I can't go on, feeling overwhelmed. God, where are you? I can't find you. Those are all the opposites of peace. Not because that's the way life is, but because we have denied peace. We have denied the fact that we're supposed to be able to live in earth like we're already in heaven right. by faith. By faith. If we're stressed, if you're stressed right now, you don't need 
just a word for your stress. You need a word for your unbelief. If you're stressed, if you're worried, if you're upset, I believe God. Well, why are you stressed then? He said, there's the, he said, heaven is earth is like heaven and in heaven, nobody's stressed. So why are you? You obviously don't believe what's on in heaven is available for you in earth. And if you did, you would have it. I believe it. Well, why you ain't got it? When you got a headache and you need Tylenol, you go to Walgreens and get the headache medicine. Why you ain't got the peace? If you said it's yours, you don't believe it. And we try to make it a whole bunch of other stuff, but we just got to deal with Babylon's unbelief. Amen. Stress, worried, upset, frustrated, agitated, fighting inwardly, fighting with something. We are only doing so to the measure we're denying our oneness with Christ and earth's oneness with heaven. It's okay to struggle with sin. We all do. Come on. As long as we're here on earth, we got to drag this whole flesh around. We got to fight with it every day. And sometimes your flesh going to beat you and sometimes you going to beat your flesh. We just have to do the best we can do because God knows that, that, that he knows that as long as we here, we ain't going to be able to do it right. Those are not keeping it real statements. Those are not telling it like it is statements. They are statements that deny those who hear and believe them of peace. You believe folks telling you that. You just denied yourself of the peace. And if you follow them around, you're going to end up just like, why do you listen to people that you don't want to be in the condition of? Why would you listen to somebody and say, you stress, everybody's stressed. How are you going to listen to somebody who ain't married about your marriage? How you going? Uh, how you going to listen to somebody that don't even sleep with their spouse about how you need to handle your problems? I don't even like each other. Don't tell me nothing about my wife. Don't tell me nothing about y'all can go a week without talking to each other. Man, I can't go five minutes without talking about my talking to my wife. If I know me, we're mad with each other. I gotta get this right. All right. Thank you, Lord. Yes, sir. Come on. Amen. Anybody that claims that conditions on earth, it is now okay for you to struggle with stuff that ain't struggling with in heaven, follow them around. If you can follow them around and watch their life, I guarantee it's filled with frustration. I guarantee it's filled with anger. I guarantee it's filled with loss of patience. Folks just soak it on my nerves. You ain't got no peace. It ain't them, it's you. They do that to everybody, but you're the only one that gets shut down all day. It ain't got nothing to do with them. It's the fact you ain't got peace. And so the church teaches you, because the church don't believe heaven is supposed to be on earth, church teaches you how to put makeup on. And the church, see, I don't care how much makeup you put on. I don't care what face you put on when you come to church. I know you're stressed out. I know you're fighting with depression. I know you're back and forth into sin. I know, because you can't have, it's illegal for you to have peace. As long as you, you can't have it, it's impossible for you to have peace. It's, it, it, is, it is required for you not to have peace. As long as you deny the ability of God to give you the condition of heaven while you're still in earth. You can't have peace. You can't have peace with sin. It comes and jumps on you. You can't have peace with stress. It comes and jumps on you. You can't have peace with anger. It comes and jumps on you. You can't have peace with nothing by law. If you could, God would be lying. 
Amen. Amen. Unbelief is simply believing what you see more so than what God said because it's what you see. Unbelief is simply you believing what you see more than what God said because it's what you see. So somebody can, you can always tell somebody I've been unbelief because you'll tell them what God has said and then they'll say, yeah, I agree with that, but no, you don't. No, you don't. There's no one that understands me. That's because you don't believe heaven is on earth. Because heaven says there's no temptation taking you but that which is common in the man. Nine times out of ten, it's 12 other people in this church that are dealing with the same thing that you're dealing with. But because you don't believe heaven is on earth, you don't believe what heaven has said, you are now by yourself and you ain't even really by yourself. You lying and telling other folks lies. And then they'll end up just like you. That's a gospel. You're preaching a bad news gospel. That ain't just how you feel. That's, you're preaching gospel. Faith come by hearing. People who hear you have faith in what you're saying. Amen. <laughs> I love truth. Now, I, ain't, I, ain't, I really ain't trying to jump. I ain't laughing because I think it's trying to jump on people, but I love truth because I know truth for free people that want to be free. I just want people to be free. And if you don't want to be free, I, I still want you to be mad then. Right. <laughs> you want you to be mad or free. Just get mad or free. Right. <laughs> I'm sorry. Ephesians 2 verse 13, okay. Watch this. Ephesians 2 verse 13. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. But now in Christ Jesus, watch this. But now in Christ Jesus... You who sometimes were far off are made what? Near by the blood of Christ. For he is our what? Peace. Who have made both pieces oneness. And have broken down the middle wall partition between us. The blood makes us near, but the blood doesn't make us one. Said another way, the blood makes us near, but the blood doesn't give us peace. Right? Peace is not nearness. Peace is oneness. We can be near God and still not have peace because peace isn't nearness. Peace is one. I'm not saying you're not near God. I'm not saying you're not hearing God. I'm not saying that God ain't blessing you and opening doors from you, but it still doesn't qualify you to have peace because peace ain't nearness. Peace is oneness. Now, now watch this. This will blow your mind. This will blow your mind. If you read verse 17, this blew my mind when God showed me this. If you read verse 17, it says here, and came and preached what? Peace to you, which were afar off and to them that were near. And came and preached peace, not to the folks that just way out there. To them that way, way out there. And to those that have been drawn nigh by the blood came and preached peace to those who are far off and to them that are near. Those, see, this, blow, this is phenomenal to me. Those who are near to God need to hear the same word that those who are far from God need to hear, the word of peace. What I'm trying to tell you is 
if you are in a place of encounter and not a place of oneness, the same word the stripper that's stripping right now around the pole needs to hear, and they're not in church is the same one you need to hear. In other words, if you're near and not one, you don't need to be evangelizing the prostitute. You need to be sitting in the pew with the prostitute, and both of y'all need to be getting the word called one. For some reason, when we get near, we think we can go witness to people, and that's why evangelism has no power. The reason why it has no power, because the drug dealer that we're witnessing to, we need to be sitting down getting the gospel of peace with that drug dealer. The, the prostitute that we're preaching to, we need to be sitting down getting the same. God didn't call us near. The same word that the joker smoking crack needs is the one we need right in here. Stop looking down on them. You need what they need. Stop looking down on them. You need what they need. If they got in here, they might get saved before some of us because the prostitute and the drunk enter the kingdom of God before the sons because the sons actually think near means something. It don't matter if you're near or far. You need the same thing. Same thing, same thing. Well, it's going to be Easter service, so we need to have an evangelism service. No, we don't. We need to have a, 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 a gospel of peace service. Because there's a whole bunch of folk in church that are near and are not one. They need the same oneness as the prostitute. Some people aren't going to be saved because they're near instead of far. They would actually have a better chance if they were far. Most people ain't going to get saved because there's more people that I think that won't get saved because they're near than more people that will get saved because they're far. Yeah. I think the drug dealers are going to get it before some of us do. Because I've heard God. I've had visions and dreams. The Lord has used me to deliver somebody. Didn't we cast out devils in your name? Didn't we heal the sick in your name? Didn't we prophesy in your name? And I will tell you away from me, I never knew you, you who practice lawlessness. Because you can do that in a near place. You can do that by encounter. Without conversion. God was speaking to me. I ain't saying he ain't speaking to you. You still don't know him. Have you ever talked to somebody you didn't know? God will talk to you and he don't know you. Just like you talk to people you see every day that you don't know. Bro, did you see the game? Man, the game was good, wasn't it? Boy, I tell you what, that Kawhi Leonard, nasty, ain't he? I who you think gonna take game seven? I don't know. I don't know him. I walked away from him. I don't know him. But I talked to him. We act like because I heard God, he knows me. Because encounter ain't conversion. God came in my living room. What's been next? What, what, what has happened since then right. is what I need to know. Because if it ain't now, what was it? Because right. the only faith that counts is now faith. Yeah. 
God, you will not be saved off then faith. Now faith is the substance of things. There was a time I was on fire for God. You testifying against yourself. There was a time you encountered God. And you never let that encounter bring you into atonement. Right? Right. Happy Mother's Day. <laughs> I'm sorry. Glory be to God. Watch this. Watch this. I'll show you something. He preaches the same word to those. Who, the reason why we can't reach the world is because we think the church needs a different message from the world. Y'all don't need a different message from, we don't need a different message from the world until we're one. Until the things he's doing, we're doing and even greater. Until the way he lives, we're living and even greater. Until then, we don't need a different, we don't, well, we got, a, we got a whole bunch of drunks coming in. Let's get an evangelistic word. No, we don't need to change nothing. Same, same gospel of peace needs to be preached. Amen. Amen. Being near to God isn't peace. Drawing near to God in devotion isn't necessarily peace. Both of those are good. Both of those are necessary, but they are not peace. Oneness with God is peace. Amen? So at the end of the day, drawing near is no better than being afar off if we never enter into the revelatory reality of the preaching of peace, which is the gospel of the kingdom. Heaven and earth are one. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Now, with that being said, I want to qualify something, and, and you know what? I'll come back to that. I want to jump into this part, and I'll jump into that maybe next week or something because we need to hit it, but I need, really need to hit this because everybody say one. one. What is peace? One. Peace is what? One. Peace is? One. Peace is one. without a shadow of a doubt, right? One. All right, go to Matthew because... Um, Paul was very methodical by way of being moved by the Spirit to make sure he helped us to understand and culminate this, this uh, revelation step by step in understanding how we are to release heaven on earth, the kingdom of God. How do we establish it? Amen. And it's really, really a lot more simpler and foundational than what we think. Go to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. I didn't know when I was going to jump here, but God brought me here today. So, so we're going to do this. Hallelujah. Amen. And I know this ain't shouting, but man, my heart leaps because I know you got a chance. I know it won't be because you were blindsided. You don't know how many people are going to stand before God and be blindsided. Because, but I know you won't be. At least you got a chance. I'll sit life and death. You got to choose, but at least you got a chance. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. Watch this, watch this. This is what Paul was working to the whole time when he said heaven and earth are one. This is so crazy. He's talking about husbands and wives. What are husbands and wives? I'm going somewhere. He talked about heaven and earth being one before he talked about heaven, um, husbands and wives being one. Because the heaven and earth being one hinges on husbands and wives. Being one. Come on. Come on. Thank you, Lord. 
marriage is bigger than you. Let's get married so we don't go to hell. We got to do it right. It ain't missed it. Marriage is about the kingdom. Man. I'm going to show it to you. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. Watch this, watch this. Husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, right? Why? That he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. That he might present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourished and cherished it, even as the Lord the church. What are we? Jesus' body. What husband hates his own flesh? I'm nothing but God, you're everything. What husband hates his own flesh? God, you just want to judge us. You want to send us out. What husband hates his own body? But he loves and cherishes as Christ does the church. I just want to stop right there and let you know God actually wants to figure out a way to release the fruit of love in your life, not judgment. He loves his body. He actually loves us. Whoa. He actually wants to bless us. He's actually not walking around with a checklist saying, look, you did this wrong, this wrong, this wrong. So I'm going to judge you. He actually loves his body. Right? So now, verse 30, for we are members of his body. Ain't that right? Of his flesh and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife. And the two shall be, everybody say, one flesh. This is a great mystery. Marriage is a mystery. And the world can't tell you what it's about. Marriage is a mystery hidden only for the sons and daughters of God to know what it's for. You cannot watch movies and find figure out the mystery of marriage. You cannot vacation to figure out the mystery of marriage. You cannot make a lot of money to figure out the mystery of marriage. Become financially stable. This is the mystery of marriage. For us to work real hard so when we get old, we can have a lot of money and we don't have to worry about money. I solved the mystery. This is a great mystery, but I speak what? When he talks about marriage, he's talking about who? Christ and the church. Right? Verse 31. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife, and they shall be, everybody say one. One One flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. The Bible makes it clear that peace is oneness, then begins pointing out that oneness between husbands and wives or the oneness between husbands and wives created by marriage. For this cause. What is this cause that a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined and make one with his um, wife? What is that cause? The cause of the kingdom on earth. That's the cause. The cause of the kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. I'm about to mess you up, but I'm going to show you in the Bible. The kingdom on earth as it is in heaven is a marriage mandate. I'm going to say that again. The kingdom on earth 
as it is in heaven cannot be done outside of the institution of marriage. Right. That is a mandate for husbands and wives. Right. I'm going to show it to you. The, I'm going to say that again. The kingdom on earth as it is in heaven is a marriage mandate. The kingdom cannot come on earth as it is in heaven without holy matrimony. The kingdom can only come and be propagated through the institution of marriage. Only those who are one in the earth have the dispensational authority to release the oneness of heaven in earth. Uh, only oneness, only the oneness of husbands and wives can facilitate the oneness of heaven and earth because oneness is peace. Now, I, I'm not saying that singles can't enter into peace. You just can't distribute it. But then you can. You can't distribute it, but then you can. Because you ain't married, but you're married. If you would really take seriously being single and stop sleeping with folk before you marry trying to get a husband, you could actually distribute the kingdom through your marriage to Christ. But without marriage, you can't distribute the kingdom. Amen? Only those living in the institution of peace can bring, can bring peace. Only those living in the institution of peace peacefully. I mean, let me make that clear. Not you married, married peacefully. Can be peacemakers. Y'all want me to prove it to you? I'll take you right to the scripture. That was how it was from the beginning. God refuses to establish the kingdom on earth as it is in heaven without marriage. He will not do it. Genesis chapter 1 verse 26. Go there. I'm, I'm almost teaching. I'm almost done. Genesis 1, verse 26. I'll prove it to you. Marriage is, the kingdom of God is a, a marriage mandate. It can't be done without marriage. What does it say in Genesis 1, 26? And God said what? Let us make man in our image and after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, that's kingdom, and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. Verse 28. And God blessed them. And God said unto them. Be fruitful and do what? And as you be fruitful and multiply, replenish, you're actually going to subdue. And have what? Heaven on earth over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. From the beginning, according to God's original intent, him, Adam, wasn't to have dominion. Them, husband and wife, were supposed to have dominion by way of marriage, which is oneness, because oneness is peace. You cannot have... <laughs> Amen. We totally missed the boat when we think we got to leave our marriage to fulfill God's mandate. It completely, it completely just shows delusion. Hey Amen. I, I got to do what God says so I can't listen to my wife. I do what God says so I can't listen to my husband. And boom, 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 boom. I got to separate from them. 
You don't get it. God brought y'all together for that. So y'all could release the kingdom of God in the earth. Not just so y'all would not go to hell because y'all having sex before y'all got married. That's the problem with that. Yeah, you can do it. It is an acceptable way, but it is not now the perfect way. The better way is to subdue your desire for sex, make it subject itself to the will of God, then get married. That's the better way. You ain't got to do it that way. Amen? So, so now watch this now. Without the oneness of marriage, there cannot be manifested the oneness of heaven and earth. Dominion, the kingdom in earth as it is in heaven, is a marriage mandate. Only oneness can bring oneness. Those who are one in earth can release oneness of heaven and earth. Only peace can bring peace. When we're not at peace in our marriage, we can't distribute peace into the earth. I need y'all to hear this and I'm almost done. Marriage is not just something we do when we really like somebody and we want to do it right. Listen closely. Marriage in the earth is peace in the earth. Because peace is oneness and marriage is when two become one. The way God releases peace in the earth is through marriage. His plan for peace in the earth is marriage. Where there is biblical marriage, there is the presence of peace. Because there's oneness in peace. Oneness. God from the beginning intended to bring peace to the earth through marriage. Amen. Amen. Where Where there's marriage, there's peace. Where marriage begins to be cast off. Peace is lost. I'm going to try to help you understand why we're in the condition we're in right now. Can I talk to you for a minute? The measure of violence, the measure of murder, the measure of anger, the measure of poverty, the measure of despair of a community is in direct proportion of how much of that community has cast off the institution or the instrument of peace in the earth called marriage. Marriage is not just what we do because we like each other. Marriage is a means to administrate peace from heaven into earth. And where there is no marriage, there is no peace. Let me help you. Where it's a bad marriage, there is no peace. You go to a home where where the husband ain't loving his wife like Christ loved the church and where the wife ain't submitting to the husband, I'll show you a home that's chaotic. I'll show you a home where people slam doors in each other's face, don't talk to each other, and the spirit of that house is a house of division. It's a house that cannot have peace. God said one thing. He said there's one thing that you do when you show up at somebody's house because there's one thing a house is supposed to have. The one thing that every house is supposed to have is peace. He said if you go to that house and that house is worthy, release peace peace. If you got a husband loving his wife and a wife submitting to her husband, release peace. Do you understand? Can't no pastor release peace to you and you won't love your wife? Can't no pastor release peace in your house and you won't submit to your husband? Your house ain't worthy of peace.
Amen? Right? Marriage. So, so now this is what we got to understand. Procreation outside of marriage is procreation birth without peace. Let me help you understand why children are angry. Let me un- help you understand why they got ADHD. Let me help you understand why they got ADD, why there's so many cases. And then we're saying, ain't that, that many kids got ADD? Oh, yes, it is. Yes, it is, because to be born outside of wedlock is to be born outside of peace. To be born in marriage is to be birthed from peace. Peace concedes you into the world. All children were supposed to be birthed out of peace. That was God's original intent. So they would naturally be angry. They would naturally be offended. They would naturally rebel. They would naturally, but we are seeing a generation that would rather flunk out of school and live a life of crime than just sit in a class for 60 minutes and submit to a teacher because they weren't born in peace. And so now they've been handed over to anger. First, why are you mad? I don't even know why I'm mad. All I know is I'm mad. Why you want to cur- why you cursing? I don't know. Why when every time you're frustrated, you raise your voice? You can't even talk normal. I don't know. I'm just mad. I need somebody listen to me. Leave me alone. You were born out of wedlock. That's why God said in the Old Testament, whatever you do, cover the fatherless and the widow. Because children born out of wedlock are born out of anger. They're born out of frustration. They're born out of offense. They're born murder. They're born out of murder. They don't have the peace of God. God said, I need to find some fathers that will father the fatherless, that will father them in peace and remove the curse. Thereby, children, natures of wrath. Thereby, because they weren't born in peace. They were born wanting to have sex before their teenagers. They weren't born in peace. But I guarantee you, if we raise a generation in marriage, and, and a good marriage, a good marriage, not a marriage where my children look at it and say, I don't want that, if that's what marriage is. A good, your marriage ain't just for you. A good marriage. And then they're spoiled for anything else. My, my daughter would dare not, ain't no loco joco with no design in his head, pants hanging down. Girl, you fine. It jiggle when you walk. Look at her face. You see that? Because she has a mother and a father. She was born in peace. But the girl not, when you say it jiggles, she's sitting there saying, oh, stop. You're so crazy. You're so fun. Why are you doing that? Because you weren't born in peace. You weren't born under the institution and instrument that releases the blessing of God in the earth. 
You ain't getting my baby like that. You gonna get my baby lifting your hands. Yeah. You gonna get my baby preaching the gospel. You gonna get my baby if you love God. You ain't gonna get my baby because you know, think you know you how to drop it. Girl, I'll tear it up. I don't need you to tear it up. I need you to live holy. And if that only appeals to the fatherless, it's a curse. What happens? What happens when we do not have divorce ministry? But we have kingdom ministry that, that now raises our children to understand that you're going to be married to one man or one woman for the rest of your life. And you're going to raise children out of peace. And they're going to get married and raise children out of peace. And they're going to get married and raise children out of peace. And we're going to multiply peace in Darlington. We're going to stay right here. And we're going to multiply peace generation after generation after generation until the abortion clinic can't even afford to have an abortion clinic in our city until ABC can't afford to stay open in our city by marriage God I feel that in my spirit that's the kingdom of God Look, if you had children out of wedlock, if you so forth and so on, you are not cursed. You are not judged. You are not condemned. You do not walk with your head down. You've been justified. My God, by the blood of Jesus, uh, by the life of God, uh, you there is no condemnation. I, I rebuke that right now. Every single, every, every woman that had a baby out of wedlock, there's no condemnation for them that are in Christ Jesus. That walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. You are not condemned. Now, what you did will not send you into judgment, but you still can release the kingdom if while you're single, marry him. Stop compromising to get married and releasing. Marriage. Listen to me. See, some of you, if you really get this in your spirit, God's about to open the floodgates. God is about to enter us into a realm of romance. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Come on. And it's, a, it's actually a part of the move of God. Come on. I'm, I'm telling you right now, uh, every husband and wife in here, for you that, now if you can't hear it, that's fine. You'll stay like you is. But everybody that can hear what I'm saying, God is about to release you into a realm of romance. He's about to release an anointing of attraction. Oh, for your husband, there's going to be an anointing of attraction. For your wife, there's going to be an anointing of attraction. Intimacy is going to burn like fire in your house because God now has found a people 
all that he can release peace in the earth through. Get ready. Babies are about to start happening. Get ready. You're about to get the test. You're going to think you have pain like you normally have, and you're going to go and figure out it ain't no kidney stone. It ain't no uh, gas. It ain't, you ain't clogged up, girl. You pregnant. You, 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 you expect it. I'm here to tell you right now, you're going to be waddling in about six more months. Mark my words. You're going to be waddling around here and praising God. And it's a part of the move of God. Thus saith the Lord, five folks will be pregnant before this year is out. Married folk, you about to have babies. One of y'all going to have twins too. I'm actually speaking the blessing of the Lord, but Babylon has so deceived us. Babylon has so twisted us. No, we just have two kids, and then we try to make life happen. No, no, we're fruitful, and we multiply, and we subdue the earth. If God give me 10 children, he's going to give me money for 20. If God, he's always going to give me more. You are slowing up your money because your money is for your seed that you keep on pulling out before you. I feel the anointing. There is a realm of intimacy. There's an anointing of affection. There is a desire and a drawing between husbands and wives. I release it right now. Mike, you can't get away from it, sir. Mike over there, look, Mike over there act like I'm throwing baseballs at him. He ducking. That one didn't hit me. You too, sir. It's a part of the move of God. We're breaking Babylon's curse off of our perspectives. Shelby and Leroy, get ready. You might need to go get a test right now. Don't try to duck it. You ain't trying to duck it. I'm telling you, it's a part of the move of God. Don't you dare get scared when you say, oh, we pregnant again, girl, what we going to do? We going to praise God because that means increase is coming. That means lands and promises because God is going to give me what to give my seed because a good man leaving inheritance. That means I'm about to get bigger in business. That means I'm about to get bigger in money. That means I'm about to get bigger. Lady Mary, I'm going to tell you something because I ain't making this up. I, ain't I, I promise you I ain't making this up. And some of y'all other ones that think y'all past age, keep on playing. Keep on playing. Like, ooh, this for the young cat. All right. Keep on. And act like there's anything impossible for God. I don't care what the doctor said. 
the realm of the, the divine is with man. Look, I'm going to tell you what happened while we were in service. Hey Amen. Y'all could be seated. I, I promise you. And I'm trying not to get excited no more. I get excited anytime you talk about start talking about family and marriage because I know everything God is going to do is tied to family, marriage and family. There's nothing he's doing out of that, outside of that, nothing. That's why you do not ever judge a preacher based on how he preaches. Judge a preacher based on his family. You're going to go listen to a preacher and he done been divorced three times. He can't give you, he can't bring the kingdom. He don't know how to be one. No matter how good you preach. It's all that is is entertainment because your show can't bring kingdom. The first thing I need to check is your family life. Do you keep your kids under subjection? Do your wife pay attention when you're preaching? Because if she don't pay attention when you're preaching, it's because the way you talk when you're home. She's the only one that knows you ain't really who you are in the pulpit. If you want to know how a, the, a man of God is, look at his p- wife when he's preaching. Watch his wife while he's preaching. Girl, you better shout. Every time I preach. You better dance. Uh, we at the church going to shut down. I done put myself out there. <laughs> watch this watch what happens we're in a, a heavy glory y'all know we've been in heavy glory just continuously heavy glory and I was preaching one time just and the glory was falling and you could tell God was just I release a word and then the, he- the angel was standing by to release the wind so every time I release a word the angel would pull the wind back and really, we were just tag teaming. The glory just swirling in the atmosphere. And as I was going, I looked down. My wife was all in it. And then she just stopped, sat down somberly, and was just sitting. I'm like, man, you was just with me. What happened? Now, I didn't stop. Just mentally, I said that and kept on doing what I do. When I look back over there, she was still stopped. She said, she didn't tell me about two days later. She said, the weirdest thing she said, while you were preaching and the glory was falling, I felt a baby in my belly kicking and shaking my belly. It felt just like a baby. And she said, when I looked down at my belly, it was actually shaking like a baby. It, I, I felt it. I saw it. I felt it physically, saw it moving just like a child. I've watched, we've all seen a child moving in a, in a mother's belly before. You know how they, ki- I mean, sometimes it just seemed, I don't know which one of them boys just act like they were in a boxing ring and just, you know, just, just there. But that's what happened. That's what happened in that moment, right? And then we walked away from it, and now God is finally bringing me back to it and helping me understand 
that that was the prophetic declaration that the kingdom had come. Marriage was restored in our atmosphere. Our children will be the husbands of one wife and the wife of one husband. They're going to raise their children. They'll never see divorce. And they're going to release peace back into the earth. Y'all don't know it, but I got a telegram last night that somebody pregnant. Seriously. Seriously. I wish I could tell. You know I can't hold water. But I'm trying to look at them and see if they let me say it without. All right, next topic. Oh, I want to say it. I ain't going to say it. Man. All right. Lady Mary, help me. Somebody already about to have a baby. I'm telling you. I ain't even going to look up because I'll look over there. <laughs> because marriage is peace, right? Because marriage is peace and peace is oneness. Oneness between heaven and earth. In heaven, multiplication only takes place after marriage. But in earth, multiplication is happening outside of marriage. Earth doesn't look like heaven. To the degree earth doesn't look like heaven, earth suffers violence. That's why the kingdom comes, it, it suffers violence. The kingdom can only come with violence. Right? Because what it's saying is we're shifting back to a kingdom way of life. As long as we're not doing it on earth as it is in heaven, the earth cannot be at peace. And when somebody brings peace to earth without it looking like heaven, it ain't going to be God. Be the Antichrist. There can be no peace without him. Amen. Amen. I'm going to show you this scripture and I'm closing. First Peter chapter three, verse number seven. There is a grace and desire that's being even released into our children to have a wife. Our boys want a wife. They don't want a girlfriend. Our daughters want a husband. They don't want a boyfriend. They don't want to be a baby's mama. They want to be a mother. Amen. That's how you break generational curses. You don't wait for them to enter the curse and then break it. You raise them never to live by the curse. That's a curse. Amen. First Peter chapter three, verse seven. Husbands, and I'm reading in the New King James Version. Watch this, then we're closing. Husbands, likewise, watch this, dwell with, dwell with them with what? According to knowledge, in the New King James Version, it says understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life. Why? That your, what are we supposed to be praying? But if you are not on one accord with your husband or your wife, because thy kingdom come is saying heaven come on earth, earth and heaven be one. If we're not in oneness, it hinders our ability to have authority when we're praying that prayer. That your prayers be not. Amen. Amen. Marriage is here for peace sake. Right. Thank you. 
the more men and women, young men and women you see getting married, you need to champion it, celebrate it. And for God's sake, don't teach them the way you did it. Don't tell them it's going to be hard. Don't tell them you're going to want to leave a thousand times. That's what happened to you, but that was never what was supposed to happen. Amen. You get tired of the same. No, God will fascinate you. He'll fascinate you with that individual. He'll give you ever-increasing affection for that individual. You learn to love them like Christ loves his body, the church. You treat them like you treat yourself. God is calling us not out of encounter, but to continue the encounter into oneness. We come to church every week, and we're going to encounter God in great ways. But it's not in itself the ends. It is a means. It is a means to atonement. Because once I've encountered God enough and he's touched me, I'm going to, it provokes me to a place where I want him. Do you understand? You can listen to God all the time. Right? Right? You can hear God all the time. You can pray all the time. You can be touched by his spirit all the time. You can be led by his spirit all the time. You can hear his word all the time. That's what he's calling us to. Why? Because he's not here and I'm over there. He's in me. The Bible says he'll walk in us and be in us. He shall be our God and we shall be his people. There are times I feel something moving in me when I ain't moving. I wake up in the morning and some people don't understand. You wake up in the morning and there'll be something singing in you. You ain't moving your mouth, but you're hearing a song. (laughs) You know who that is? That's God. God has church in us. Because we are actually the church. And he's the one who's our member. We we got a three-member church. And they love having church all the time. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And they are one. Everybody standing to your feet.